all right, Rabbi, I know that you're all like worried about Jody leaving, but this is this is kind of extreme. This is like stalker behavior. I just don't want him to leave me. You know, we he's my brother, also my best friend. I'm, I can't I, I don't think I can make it without him. You know, I, yeah, I, I understand. But like we are now like spying on him in a dark cemetery and he's taken a girl here of all places to I'm thinking make out. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it looks like, well, yeah, they are laying on that gravestone. And, um, yeah, I don't I don't know that this would give me wood. This is not the place where I would like want to take someone to get all randy with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't think I would do that either. No, um, this but, is. Oh, wait, he's, uh, her shirt's coming off. Look at those boobs. Look at those <sighs> shoes. She's got a good taste in shoes. Oh, your brother has a nice butt. Okay, I was not thinking that. And now No, I'm sure you weren't, but I, you know, I'm just putting that out there. Um, yeah, this is pretty awkward. You I, I'm not being like judgy, but like you're in your 40s. I mean, don't don't you think it's time maybe you live on your own and not like rely on your brother so much? Blasphemy. Hmm. Yeah. It, does she have a knife? That kind of looks like a knife. Yes. Just, um, are you seeing? She, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Uh, yeah, she's like an old man now. Is your is your brother like into that kind of thing? So gross. This is really freaky. Uh, this is odd. Boy. Ah! <laughs> phantasm, the delusion of a disordered mind, a phantom, a spirit, a ghost. For nearly four decades, it has been contained, but evil always has a way of breaking free. Tommy's gone. It's hard to believe. It was a good idea not to let your little brother come to the funeral. Hey, I don't like this place. Something weird is going on up there. The funeral is about to begin, sir. What's wrong with you? There's something up there. I saw it. You got some kind of an overactive imagination or something? I know you're not going to believe this, but these things were here. Oh, give me a break. Okay, I believe you. What we gotta do is lay that sucker out flat and drive a stake right through his goddamn heart. You're gonna run that tall bastard straight down to hell. You play a good game, boy. But the game is finished. Now you die. Welcome back, all you Midnight Mask Creature Cast fans. This time around, we're still stuck in the 70s, 1979 to be exact, and we are covering Phantasm. I am Mark, and I'm joined by... I'm Rob, and it's still spooky time. 
It is. I just thought you were going to say, boy. Boy. <laughs> I wanted to, but I, I kind of <laughs> held back a little bit. I am, and I don't want to say my boy because it takes in a totally different, different direction. <laughs> <laughs> I think I um, overused boy like last night when I was watching. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's great. It's yeah. so good. Um, now, this one is uh, rated R. It's got a runtime of one hour and 29 minutes. Um, and it's directed and written by Don... Coscarelli, who in my book, he's like royalty among horror fans everywhere, to me at least. Um, he's also directed The Beastmaster from 1982 with Tanya Roberts, who's also horror ro horror royalty to me. Um, he did Bubba Hotep with Bruce Campbell, 2002. Um, and then he also did John Dies at the End from 2012, which was based on, um, it started as like a web series, but then became actual like a book uh, by David Wong or um, David Wong's like a pseudonym, but it's actually uh, Jason uh, Par Pargin, I believe, P-A-R-G-I-N. Um, but that one's a fun one, too. Oh, yeah, that's that is like right up the along the same lines as Phantasm because it's so weird. Oh, yeah, I love it. I love it so much. Um, and then, of course, this movie spawned a series of sequels, um, all of which Mr. Coscarelli directed, except for the very last one, which was directed by. Uh, David Hartman, and that would be Phantasm Ravenger from 2016. Um, but Mr. Coscarelli did two, three, which was Lord of the Dead, four, Oblivion. Um, so there's been uh, quite a few follow-ups to this one. So did Phantasm um, fans. for Ravager, did did the director kind of get Don Coscarelli's blessing for that? I don't know that much about it. I've seen it, but I didn't. I, okay, here's where I'm like a bad horror fan. I actually didn't realize that it wasn't Don who directed it until I did some research. Um, okay. Because actually I was at the table. We, I, I A lot of times I'll do like this kind of little part here that I do at the beginning during breakfast with Walt. And then I saw Oblivion. And I'm like, wait, wasn't there one called Ravager? And Walt's like, I think there was. And then that's where I had to actually type it in because IMDb didn't pull that one up. And that's how I found out that it wasn't Mr. Coscarelli that directed it. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that I don't know. You said that he owns, he still owns the license for all of these films because we were like, when we were discussing things, maybe a few months back, I was like, oh boy, I hope this doesn't get like a crappy remake. And you were saying something about he has the licensing for it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he didn't let that go. I can't imagine he would ever do that because this seems pretty near and dear to his heart. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, um, I'm kind of curious to see who you're going to say. So I might, if you're up for it, I might count to three. And then at the same time, I want us to say who you think is the main star of this movie. Cause I know who I think, but I want to hear who you think. Would you be okay to do that? Like on the count of three? Sure. Okay. One, two, three. Myrtle. Oh, oh. <laughs> Who's Myrtle? Is that the she's grandmother? The, she's, she's the maid. Oh, the maid. That I scares Reggie. Oh wow. She she like a one second role. <laughs> yes, yes, that's Myrtle Scott. I did want to you know give her a shout out because I feel she's the young sung actress in the whole film. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Is, I but, went with Tall Man because he he's like he's the main character in this movie for me. It, yeah, well you may be in the minority. Uh I think Myrtle's got a huge following out there. She just doesn't know it. Okay. Uh, no, you're probably more than 100% <laughs> right on that one. Uh, but I do like my underdogs. Uh, so that's Angus Scrim. 
And he is, of course, the tall man, the mortician, the villain of the film. Uh, he, he has done the other Phantasm films up until I don't believe he was in Ravenger because I, I think I might be speaking off term. I believe he was not. I think, oh, I think he I passed, think he passed, passed in 2014. Away. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, I was going to say, I think he had passed away by then. Yeah. Um, so yes, he was not around for that one, but he was in all the other ones. Um, he was also in Chopping Mall, which the show has done, but I was not on then. Uh, but you yeah. guys covered Chopping Mall. He was in that. He was also in John Dies at the end. Also in that one. Uh, he was in Subspecies from 91, and he was in both of the Munchie films from 92 and 94. The first one starring. I didn't oh. see those. Uh, well, I probably Burt Reynolds did because the first one starred Lonnie Anderson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, is that, is that a play on like the gremlins and critters? I, yeah, pretty much oh, so. Okay. You've got that little, yeah, you got a little thing causing havoc. It yeah, kind of sure sounds is. like, you know, along those lines. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's almost like if you crossed like a gremlin with Fonzie. Wait, happy days. It oh, okay. it looks th- like Fonzie. I thought you were talking about like Fozzie Bear, like a gremlin and Fonzie. No, Fonzie, F O N Z I, Fonzie. Yeah, it kind of looks like Fonzie <laughs> from Happy Days. Um, oh. Anyway, yeah, so that's our uh, main villain. And then we have Mike, uh, our young uh, protagonist, and that's A. Michael Baldwin. Um, he was in all the Phantasm films except for number two, because that one, the. Um, the studio got involved and they wanted a more recognizable person in the role of Mike. So they had a different actor play Mike in that film. Uh, don't get me going on that actor. Um, we're just going to move on if you're okay with that. Oh, I made a mistake. Um, Angus Grimm, he did not pass in 2014. In, it was 2016, January 9th. Oh, okay. okay. <clears throat> but I believe he wasn't, I still don't think he was in Ravager, I believe. I Ravager is the only one of the films that I have not yet seen. I don't think he's in it. I'm pretty sure I could be lying anyway. Um, so if you want to look that up, while I'm going through these that that'd be cool. Sure. I'll check um, it out. Okay. And then um, his older brother, Jody is played by Bill Thornberry and he was in the phantasm films as well, except for number two. Then we have Reggie who I think is amazing because if I let my hair grow out, I would look like Reggie. And I love that. He's just, rocking that look and he's okay with it um and he also owns an ice cream truck which you know if i could have a second career i would own an ice cream truck except i would eat all the profits um reggie is the only one to appear in all of the phantasm films all of them um he was also in bubba hotep he did Wishmaster, and he was in silent night deadly night Four initiation and those are really the only people i was going to cover um as far as getting into their backgrounds and things, if you're okay with that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so I'm pulled up, I've pulled up Ravager here and I'm not seeing Angus Grimm listed as the tall man in here. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that he was not in that film. I, I like, like a hundred percent sure he was not in that film. That's so weird. Yeah. Maybe it's his health. You know, he not passed away, but his health maybe yeah. just didn't allow him to be in it. Yeah. But he will always be the tall man. Forever and ever. And he'll always be like in subspecies as well, because that's another of my favorites. Oh, uh uh-huh. Yes, 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 yes. Am I lying or did they remake subspecies just recently? Uh, They they added a newest installment into it. Oh, okay, okay. But it it did come out just recently. Am I correct? Yep. Okay, all right, all right. I didn't want to speak out of turn. All right. So having said all that, we're going to get into the heart of things, if you're okay with that, my friend. Absolutely. All right. So. now the action, to be honest with you, it 
there's not a whole lot of uh, different set pieces in the film. You either get like the funeral home mm-hmm. inside, uh, you get the funeral home outside, the cemetery surrounding it, and then you get basically like their home, you yeah, know, Mike yep. and Jody's home, maybe a couple of road scenes, and that's kind of basically it for the majority of the film. Right, and it doesn't. It's not that it drags, but it's mainly no. it's mainly story driven because you have scenes like uh, I still don't understand this movie, but I love it. And oh so yeah, it's I, like a fever dream. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. You jump from one scene to the next, and you're you're like going different places. There are some things that are half explained. And then you're like, wait a minute. So is this because of this? Is it, you know, what's going on here? And I still don't know what's going on, but I love this movie. Oh, exactly. It feels like, it almost feels like Mr. Coscarelli was able to film a nightmare, if that makes sense. Yeah, because it does play out like, you know how your thoughts when you're in a dream, they're kind of jumping around. It's like dream logic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Now, and also part of what you're saying, um, this was originally like three hours and they had to cut it down. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't think I could handle three hours. You know what? I would, I would totally be down for a three hour phantasm. I would be all about that. I would love to see what the original thing looked like. Really? Um, yeah. See, one hour, you know, one hour and 29 minutes kind of does it for me for any movie. Really. It's just, uh, I can't sit still that long. <laughs> So, you know how they mention, I'm like way jumping, but you know how they mention uh, Jody wants to send Mike to live with his aunt? Yeah. Okay. So the aunt actually was in the film. Okay. You know, the whole, okay. And the actress that played the aunt is the same actress that plays like the, like fortune teller. In the wheelchair with the glasses, like, I I assume we're supposed to think she's blind because she's got the dark glasses on. Right. That's what I assumed. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So that actress that was supposed to be the fortune teller was not able to show up that day. So the same actress is like, well, I'll be the fortune teller too. Lucky for her because all of the aunt's scenes were cut. So if she had not been that fortune teller, her scenes would have been completely cut from the film. Wow. So this is in the, the three hour version of the film. That yeah, in the three hour, the aunt actually had scenes. She was like a fleshed out character that they mentioned in the, they just mentioned her in the film. So I'm assuming that um, since like a, a majority of the three hours were removed from this film and those little pieces that we get, like with the, with uh, Reggie and the tuning forks and the alternate dimension, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Myrtle. Yeah, Myrtle. Too. <laughs> so all of these things would have probably been explained, whereas the one hour, 29 minute version of phantasm has it more like you're hopping around in the movie. You're not supposed to know what's going on. Yes, I would think so. I think that, I think that probably adds to the whole like uh lack of logic feel to it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, maybe to the betterment of it. I don't know. But also now I don't know how you feel about this because you know, you're straight, but all the blondes kind of blend together. Oh, the blonde got- girls. Yes, they do. Yeah, you've got Sally and Susan and Mm -hmm. then the granddaughter. I mean, they all, you know, and I wonder if they were fleshed out more in the film as well. Yeah, because I thought they were the same person. (laughs) Oh, that's an easy thing to do. And then the one who goes in, we'll get to that, but later. So she goes into the the funeral home and then she goes to that wooden door. I thought that was the granddaughter. Yeah, me too. It's like, who is this person? I don't know. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. 
Yeah, that that <laughs> it's is all uh, very interesting. No, you're. I don't think it has anything to do with uh, gay or straight. I think it's just like all the blonde chicks look the same. Yeah. They, yes. I really wish they had done something to like really differentiate differentiate each uh, woman. Like and that. I don't mean this disparagingly <laughs> towards women. I just you know Friday the Thirteenth. I always feel is very gu- guilty of that as well. The the franchise. Yeah, a lot of those slasher films are because like you've got a bunch of blondes and like maybe one brunette. Or they'll do the exact opposite where you have like a bunch of brunettes and one blonde. Like, <laughs> who are we looking at here? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's so just anyway. eye candy. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. All right. All right. So um, I always, okay, real quick. I always wonder if that has to do with the casting agent has like a certain preference, you know, like their, their predisposition to liking blondes or brunettes or whatever. And they're like, oh, that girl's pretty. That girl's pretty. And before you know it, they've just hired a bunch of people mm-hmm. that they find attractive, but they have a certain type. It might be. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm so sorry. Here we go. So it's uh, at the cemetery, at the funeral home. It's nighttime. We see Tommy and this blonde woman, and they've come to the cemetery to have sex, as we've all you know, done in our lives. Um, and the uh, blonde actually kills him with a dagger, and then she becomes the tall man, which I have issues with that right off the bat, but no, whatever. I, okay. Yeah, and I've got to ask you, is this the scene that we so we were discussing this movie a little while back? And you were saying that somebody had uh, somebody was trying to like project their own issues onto the tall man turning or sorry, the woman turning into the tall. Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) It was. Yes. Yeah. Which it's kind of odd, but you just go with it. I think now I think you and I also covered, if I'm not mistaken, another movie where the person, oh my gosh, was it? It was Ghoulies. Ghoulies. Yeah. It was yeah. Ghoulies. Where they did the same thing too. And I'm like, I think we might be reading, not you and I, but like people might be reading way more into this than you should be. I yeah. think. Cause yeah. I think, anyway. you know, it's almost like a life force type thing where the, uh, the vampires actually take the form of the person's ideal. And so, uh, maybe in the fact of Ghoulies, like that, uh, returned from the dead priest or whatever, the father, he took the form of a beautiful woman to entice that guy so he could like kill him. <laughs> right. Uh, no offense to Angus Grimm, but Tommy's not going to go back with Angus Grimm no. to go have sex in the cemetery. <laughs> not I'm unless- sure there are people who would go back to the cemetery with Angus Grimm, but it just wasn't Tommy. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So now, um, okay. So anyway, so now it's morning and you know, Jody, the older brother and Reggie, his friend who's rocking the, um, what do they call it? a skullet where you've got like, yeah, I think it would be a skullet, but this one has yeah. a, a skullet with a ponytail. Yeah. He's like rocking it. I'm, you know, I'm not making fun of Reggie. I mean, Reggie rocks in my book. Good for him for doing it. So, okay. So they're mentioning that Tommy had killed himself. Yeah. And, um, did okay. she stab him in the back though? Or did no, she stab he him was, in the, she stabbed him in the front and it oh, was okay, almost okay. like the ritualistic kind of, you know, where the the victim or whatever or the sacrifice is on the altar and like stabbed right through the heart with a knife. Okay, interesting. Okay. Because I still like, is that how you would commit suicide? Not to trigger anybody, but I'm like, I don't know. To me, it just seems like, did no one question this suicide? I don't know. It just seems odd to me. Yeah. Um, Unless like Angus is also like not only the mortician, but the coroner as well. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay. All right. So, you know, still inside, uh, Jody uh, goes to visit his parents' crypt. So we learned that both of his parents are deceased. So that just leaves, you know, kind of Jody and his younger brother on his own. And we see that his little brother, Mike, owns a dirt bike. 
and uh, he's, you know, prowling around outside and uh, it, the bike has died on him and he hears these noises and there's like out of this corner of his eye, he catches like a glimpse of something kind of like darting behind one of the headstones. Yeah. And uh, okay. I got to ask you this because Go ahead. even when I first saw this, uh, I thought that was a girl riding the dirt bike. Oh, the hair. Yeah. Okay. This is very seventies. Even though it's 79, it's very seventies, which it came out in 79, but you have to figure when did it start filming? But everything about this is seventies, which mm-hmm. I love. Um, Okay, so now having, <laughs> <laughs> and having I'm not trying to be disparaging, but I no, I, but I having it was a girl. yeah, he looks like my my one aunt Linda, my aunt Linda Jane. He always reminded me of her, so I see what you're saying. Yeah, he, there's something about. I think it's the the hair almost looks like a, a bobbed haircut. It does, yeah, and yeah, I think the face too. It it's a very it's like very soft feminine features, very angular too. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yes, I, and I'm not making fun of anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I was very fat and chunky, I used to get that people always thought, and I had boobs. Uh, <laughs> people always thought I was a girl too, um, which was odd because I looked just like my Aunt Kathy when I was fat and chunky. Not that she was fat and chunky, but like we looked very similar because she was not fat and chunky. She was like cute as can be. And you weren't bald at this time, right? <laughs> well, she was bald, but let's not go there. Um, <laughs> so anyway. This is going to be a long one, folks. All right. So um, inside, um, Jody's still like kind of checking things out and he's hearing noises inside as well. And he catches something out of the corner of his eye, um, which kind of draws him to investigate. But that's where you get that jump scare with the tall man. He kind of grabs him on the shoulder and says that the funeral is about to begin. Yeah. Um, He's scary as hell, man. He is scary as hell. Now, Angus and... um, Bill, the actor that played Jody, are the exact same height. So for this scene, they had uh, Angus stand on some crates to give him that point of view of him looking way down on Billy to make him seem much taller. You know, I had wondered about that because in one scene um, a little later on, you see the tall man walking and he's wearing platform shoes. Yes. uh Yeah. I thought that just had to do with his being a Kiss fan. Um <laughs> Now, really quick. See, what's so cool about this is this was like not a big budget movie at all. Like, you know, Mr. Coscarelli was kind of like doing this like on his own dime, more or less. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. no big studios behind this. So the if you've not seen this, people, you should be because we're going to spoil everything. Um, But the marbled walls and everything that was just like contact paper and plywood. Everything inside there was a set. They built this. It looks so real and so it's pristine. so good. They did such a great job. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Kudos to everyone involved in this. All right. So at the funeral, Reggie and, and Jody are talking. They're saying it's probably a good idea that they didn't let Mike, the little brother, come to this because he, he had such, such bad nightmares after his parents' funeral and everything. So Mike, who clearly has a mind of his own, He's very headstrong. Um, he's come to the cemetery with a pair of binoculars and he's watching the pallbearers carry Tommy's casket. And, you know, there's three men on each side. <clears throat> and after the funeral, Mike spies the tall man just like lifting the casket by himself and placing it in the hearse, like with no issues whatsoever. Yeah. Um, probably because the casket was made out of balsa wood and styrofoam. Um, but, um, but- Okay, so at the funeral, didn't wasn't the casket lowered into the ground? So what did the tall man do? Just like 
pull it out of the ground and put it back in the hearse? Yeah, because he has to take it inside to perform his magic on it. Okay. Yeah, that's what I yeah. see. There's a lot of things that I couldn't piece together. This is like a gigantic jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, now, I love, um, excuse me, <clears throat> I love, there's those really, that creepy music that starts. Oh, that. Yeah, it's just amazing. Like to me, the score on this is like a character in and of itself. And I wanted to talk to you about the score because it, it really adds to the atmosphere of oh, yeah. this film. It, it just, it kind of sucks you into this weird dream world. And yeah, it's, it's, it's it like makes yes, it more terrifying. It oh, totally. There's so much about this. And then the noises are creepy as I'll get out to me too. Yeah. Like the, yeah, it's just because there's like one part where there's like howls of something that's just like it sends shivers down my spine. And then those little those weird machine noises, but you don't see where they're coming from until, you know, the, the first attack scene there. Yeah, it's there's so much about this is just chilling. It's to me, it is like the perfect like fall. It's cold and rainy outside, maybe dark even, and you've got all the lights off and you're watching this thing and yeah. you scare the bejesus out of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, today's a perfect day for that because all of that's happening. Yeah, it's 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 such a good like spooky season movie to me. Mm-hmm. Um anyway, so now <clears throat> for no reason they don't really go into this much, but um Mike decides to visit this like fortune teller lady. She's older and in a wheelchair and her granddaughter's working with her. Um, and there's so many candles in this room. Um, and he, they make mention that he's been there before and he's clearly, uh, worried about being left alone because his parents are dead and, you know, Jody's really the only thing left in the world that Mike has. Um, and he's just convinced that Jody's going to be leaving him and everything. Uh, but, um, they make mention that, you know, wherever Jody goes, you know, he's going to take Mike not to, to worry about that at all. So then we see um, that <laughs> they both pull up in a really bitching Barracuda car. Oh, that's and, an awesome car. Yeah, I love stuff like that. Um, and then apparently that's the kind of car that Mr. Coscarelli had always wanted. So he got one for the film. So this is where Walt points out the plates are actually Oregon plates, but that's not where the movie is actually filmed. So wherever they got the car... It's not where they're shooting it from. Oh, yeah. I did notice the plates were Oregon plates. And so I thought like this took place in Oregon. Right, right. Yeah. So but it did not. It wasn't filmed in Oregon. Um, Anyway, sorry. So this is also where we learn, as any good film will do, little things about characters. So immediately Mike starts checking on the engine so we know he knows about cars. And this is where uh, Toby, a friend of um, Jody and... Apparently Tommy has come in for the funeral and this is where we find out that the parents of the boys have been actually dead for two years. Um, and he, now I'm like the boys underneath the car, that doesn't mean that he can't hear you. Mm-hmm. And like Toby's talking about, you know, why haven't you like booked it out of here yet? And Mike's like, I mean, yeah. Um, sorry. Jody's like, I, you know, I'm kind of staying here for Mike and everything. And, and I I'm thought like, that was a flashback scene because there was, there was like kind of a, a thing in between where, it's like, I don't know. I thought that was a different scene. Oh, okay. How no, no, because he's like underneath, and then and then they kind of go back and forth between that. And then when he was still with the uh funeral home, not funeral home, sorry, the psychic, 
you know, and, and um, he tells him about the, the cemetery guy and, you know, we saw with the tall man and everything. Yeah. Um, and, oh, and then you also see, I'm sorry. You also see that like, you know, Jody takes off riding his bike and everything. And then, you know, Mike's still stalking him and everything. And um, he mentions that he's going to send uh, Mike to go live with his aunt. Huh. Yeah, the, oh, this it, was, was, it was like a bunch of different stuff happening. So, yeah, this was filmed in California, by the way, folks. Oh, um, OK, now I need to say this right off the bat because I'm worried I'm going to make this mistake in my mind. The younger brother should be Jody and the older one should be Mike. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, I got confused during that, too, because when I don't know, like the the. The, like you said, the younger brother, like w- whenever somebody said Jody, I pictured the younger brother and yeah. Mike as the older brother. I've always done this with this film, but actually Jody is Jody Jr. Because they show in on the crypt that when he's looking at his parents, that uh, Jody Sr. is his father. So he's actually named after his father. Okay. Okay. So here we go. So now um, Mike is back with the fortune teller and this is where she pulls out that box and everything. And she tells Mike to put his hand in it. Um, now, I'm not, so don't feel like you have to be, but this apparently is like a Dune reference, which I've never oh, read Dune. Oh, yes, I- yes. Uh, we, you mustn't fear. Fear is the mind killer. Yeah. Yeah. I got okay, that. Okay, there you go. Oh, okay, there you go. So, you know, the, again, like, just like Rob said, the girl's like, you know, don't fear and everything, because he's freaking out because something grabs hold of him inside the box. And, you know, she's saying fear is a killer, and, and he's saying it hurts and everything. And she's like, you know, it's all in your mind. Just calm down. And then- because the box at first just materializes out of the air. And then Mike kind of throws down like a, a pittance, like a couple bucks on top of the box and the money and the box disappears. And then um, as he leaves, the grandma starts laughing and everything like, you know. yeah, it's like we got him this time. Right, right, right. Um, so now we're back at the cemetery. And as we talked about earlier, we have a blonde girl entering with flowers. I don't, no, if we're supposed to know the blonde girl, but she goes to this wooden door and she opens it. And then from the outside, we hear a scream. Yeah. So we're supposed to assume something happened to her. And so the, the whole, this whole time I was thinking that was the granddaughter with the star tattoo on her face. Um, yeah, that's just what I thought. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I, I, I don't. OK, we're just moving on because I don't have any answers for you, Rob, at all. I don't know. I don't know. Did she, did she go there because of his story that Mike told? And why would she, did she bring flowers as a guise to get in? I don't know. I have zero idea. I yeah. do not know. I would love to know. This might um, be like fleshed out in the, in the three hour version. You know? Maybe. But now we get Jody in that dumbass hat that I just want to slap off his head. I don't he's remember outside playing hat. guitar. Oh, he's playing. It's like a boulder hat that looks like it's too small for his head. And he's playing guitar. And then Reggie joins him with his tuning fork. Oh, yes. Okay. Now I remember the hat. Okay. Okay. Now I'm not a musician. You are. Don't you use a tuning fork like before you start playing to Um, tune your instrument? I've never used a tuning fork. (laughs) Oh, okay. 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 I have that tuning fork. Like, yeah, in the 70s, I suppose you use those, but like we've got electronic tuners now. So, oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Now they're drinking a beer and apparently the company or something like kind of put some money into the film and also supplied them with beers. So it's like a drinking game. Like every time you see 
the beer, I, it's like XOX beer or something like that. And any shot, you're supposed to take a shot of, of whatever you're drinking, your poison or eat like a candy bar or whatever. Cause there's so many of those beer bottles and, and beer cartons throughout the film. Wow. I didn't even notice that. I didn't either till Walt pointed that out to me. And I've seen this thing so many times. Okay. So, um, we're at the, that like Dunes Cantina. It's evening. Jody's going into the bar. Of course, you know, <laughs> Mike is spying on him again. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, he just meets a stalker. This, yeah. This bar, uh, at the bar, I'm sorry, he meets this blonde. Um, and, you know, Jody's kind of hitting on and everything and they leave together. And then Mike decides to follow. And of course, the lady is the lady in lavender or the lavender lady, however you want to say it. And um, they head back to the cemetery with Creeper Mike, you know, following. Yeah. And okay, this part confused me because I was like, is she waiting for her chance to kill uh, Jody? Or I think I think so. Okay, yeah. I just or what or what? I'm sorry. I should let you finish. Or like, was she just someone that <clears throat> happened to be wearing the blue dress that you know she got picked up from the bar at? Um. So yeah, I was trying to figure that out this whole time. You know, was I, that Angus Scrim under the guise of a blonde lady? I, I think it was him because she makes that. Huh. She makes it sound like she's a newcomer in town because she says, is, 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 uh, um, is that the only thing to do in this town? Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, no, you've been here before because we've seen you. So I think it's him. Okay. Me, yeah. me personally, me personally, me personally. That does make sense because I didn't even put two and two together for that. And that's what I, that's how I'm taking it. I think it's just a ruse. Okay. <clears throat> and so because the interruption, by Mike that uh, Angus didn't get to do his uh, heel turn and do his thing. Right. But you're kind of jumping over some things that like I want to get into. Oh, okay. Okay. So I love where she pulls her top down and both of the boys, both Jody and Mike go, wow. (laughs) So the breasts that we see in the film, you notice you never see the lavender lady's face. You just see the boobs. Mm -hmm. That was the stunt boob lady. A stunt boob. (laughs) Yes. And when Jody pulls his pants down, because we get a little bit of Jody butt, it's not his butt, it's stunt butt. Wait, I think that was cut from uh, my version of the film then because there was no uh, pulling of pants down. Okay, you may want to go back and look because I think it was in there. You probably just were averting your eyes. Maybe, yeah. Uh, Yeah, because the stunt butt was provided by George W. Singer Jr., who was the key grip. He he agreed to... to stand in because Jody would not do nudity. The okay. actor. All right. So I had to get all that in because, you know, any butt I will take. For the most part. <laughs> Mark is the butt guy. Yeah. 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 So while Mike is, you know, kind of doing his weird creeper thing, because I'm like, it, now you're watching your brother have sex. Yeah. There, there's I, a line that you just don't cross. Yeah. You don't film it. You don't film it. Okay, so he hears those noises again because it's nighttime and everything. They're off in the shadow. And so it distracts him. It leads him away from what's going on. And we get, I'm going to call them Jawas because basically they look like, except they don't have little glowing eyes, but they look like for all intents and purposes, the little Jawas from Star Wars. Are we related? (laughs) Because in my notes, every time I see one of those little creatures, I call them maniacal Jawas. (laughs) Yeah, except, and I believe Mr. Coscarelli, this was pretty much filmed. They were 
they would have been in production at the same time. So he had no clue what was going on, just like Mr. Lucas would have had no clue. Yeah, that's just yeah. how the way we draw parallels to things. Exactly. Yeah. But for all intents and purposes, I'm going to be calling him Jawas all throughout this thing here. Good, um, good, because I was too. Yeah. But what what they're really referred to as, they're calling them dwarves in the film. And they're, and they're wearing these little like, what, shrouds, robes, hooded robes, I guess, brown hooded robes. Um, and then, <laughs> so Mike starts screaming and takes off. And then Jody sits up because he realizes it's Mike. But he's got the girl's panties in his teeth, <laughs> which I love that. I thought that um, was a, the chef's kiss right there. Right, 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 right. And so then he finally catches up with him. And, um, you know, Mike fesses up to what's happening. And um, Jody just thinks that they're little because, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry. Mike says they're they're a little brown and low to the ground. And, you know, Mike says, uh <laughs> Mike, Jody, sorry, Jody claims it's just a gopher in heat. And then you hear that noise again, and Jody chalks it up to just being the wind. And he gives, I love this. Only in the 70s do you give this young kid keys to the car and just tells him to go home. Oh, right. Because how how old is Mike supposed to be anyway? I'm not thinking 16. Are you? No, I'm thinking no, much younger 12, than 12, 13, yeah. maybe 14 tops, yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking, too. I was like, he's supposed to be like. Probably because he doesn't want his brother to leave. So he can't be that old. He's got to be like quite young. Yeah. He's not old enough to drive folks. Okay. But it, again, in the seventies. Um, so, you know, uh, Jody heads back to the cemetery in search of the lavender lady. She's nowhere to be found. So he just kind of retreats. We get the scene of Mike in his bedroom with the amazing Afghan on his bed. Um, but what turns out to be a dream, he wakes up in the cemetery still in bed. The tall man's like basically above him, like where a headstone would be. And then all these dead zombie things reach up and pin him to the bed. Scary as folk. Yeah. Uh, scary as shit folks, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Because um, it's, it's almost like nightmare on Elm street type dream sequences here where. Oh yes. You're horrifying. not sure what's real and what's like part of the actual reality that's going on. Now, what I feel works for me and works to Mr. Coscarelli's advantage is these people, and I'm not discrediting anyone in the film, they look like average everyday people. They're not like beautiful Hollywood types. It's not like, you know, it's Matt Damon playing Mike. It's He looks just like Joe Schmo. Mm -hmm. And I think that adds an air of reality or realism to what's going on. Yeah, I think so. Which makes it creepier to me. Because it's like this, this could be your neighbor. Right, exactly. Or my Aunt Linda Jane. Um, <laughs> so it's daytime. Jody decides to go back to the cantina to figure out, you know, what was going on with that lady he left with, but he's not getting any answers from the bartender. Then again, you get that creepy music playing and we see the slow-mo strut of the tall man walking down the street because Mike's gotten bored, you know, stalking Jody and he's headed off into town. Yeah. <laughs> And my goodness, can the tall man really like just he's got some long legs. Oh, yeah. He is like <laughs> strutting down the street. Well, then as he reaches Reggie's ice cream truck and he's got the little door in the back and there's all that like, uh, what would you call um Like, like mist? Frost. Smoke, yeah, mist, some, frost, something. whatever, because it's cold. And it's coming out of the back. Yeah. All of a sudden, like the tall man like freezes. 
He doesn't he breathe it in like he Yeah, he's like taking it's odd. I don't know really quite what's going on. I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing to the tall man. I don't know if he just wants like a a, a was it a, a pop rocket real bad? Yeah. That one popsicle. I don't know what it is. Um but then as soon as Reggie closes the door, it's like it breaks the spell it has on him and he just continues on. Yeah, that that was weird. Yeah, it's very odd. Very it's <laughs> I it's just strange, but it adds, it just goes along well with everything else that's going along in the movie. It doesn't really stand out. It's strange. Yeah. It's like just, too strange. It just goes along with everything else that we're witnessing. It's like, film. oh, it's just, just another Tuesday here, folks. Yeah. Right, right. So uh, the next scene, we're in the garage and we got Jody working on the Barracuda underneath it. No, lie, Mike. Yeah. Oh, see, you, you, you called him Jody. Yeah, Mike under the car and he's, you know, working on it. He's got it jacked up and he's, you know, working on it, Um, which to me, that seems dangerous as hell without someone else around. Okay, whatever. Um, And then he hears more of those little noises and stuff and the car starts to shake like there's someone like on top of it or inside or whatever. Yeah. Of course, the jack falls pinning Mike underneath it. And then he kind of like catches like those little Java things, like one of them runs by or whatever. And he goes to pound it, but it's actually Jody's foot that he pounds with the like little <laughs> tool that he's got. They hits him with a hammer. Which causes Jody to make a really disparaging remark about their neighbor up the street, Timmy. <laughs> and Jody's still not like really buying any of, you know, Mike's story so far. So back in the bedroom, we get more creepy music and um, Mike is suiting up with his like little like leg knife. Yeah, he's got like, what, yeah, he's got his pocket he those, like that Bowie knife. And then, you know, those. yeah, yeah. And he just heads out into the night on foot. Now. I don't know about you, but fat Mark, this would not have played out this way. There is no way in hell that I would have gone into the dark on my own in search of the tall man. No way in hell. Yeah, skinny Rob wouldn't be doing that crap either. I would have been scared shitless. There, I would have not left that bedroom for anything. Like, no, 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 no. I no, no. <laughs> Mike had guts that my, uh, little Mark never would have had. <laughs> <laughs> right. I would have had like strings of garlic crucifixes. Oh like, yeah, silver. no. I w- <laughs> no, 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 no. Um. Oh, I need to throw this in really quick before I forget. And I, I've mentioned this to you before, and you said you would not seen it. There is a book uh, called Something Wicked This Way Comes. Um, and the, the producers had actually wanted Mr. Coscarelli to make that movie. And like a week before they went into production, they realized that, <clears throat> excuse me, the rights had been sold to Disney. So that was a no-go, and that's what made him make Phantasm. There's a lot of weird kind of similarities, like dreamlike qualities between these two films. Um, That there's like a, the antagonist is, is kind of like tall and creepy and not enough that's like, oh, he ripped off something wicked this way comes. That's not what I'm saying. But they make kind of good companion pieces. Like something this way, uh, something wicked this way comes is for a younger audience, and this is for an older audience. 
but there are similarities between the two. And this is almost like Dan's version of, well, if I can't do that, I'm going to give it my own spin. Um, and I would recommend like you and other people maybe check out something wicked this way comes. I know it's for younger people, but it's still got its like creepy fall October feel to it that I would recommend. Anyway, that's all I need to say about that. Okay. Um, I can't remember who wrote something wicked this way comes. Um, it's a famous author and I'm going to be really upset that I can't remember it. Um, but yeah, I really recommend people check that out. Um, here we go. Okay. Now I'm back. Um, so the reason he's left is he's decided he's just going to bust into the funeral home and check things out on his own all alone with not, I, he didn't even write a note saying where he is going, which folks, if you're going to do this, at least tell someone like in writing where you're going or text them. So they know, so you can go find your body. Um, and he's not even quiet about it. Like he kicks the window in it's loud folks. <laughs> yeah. That's what I had a problem with because you're breaking into a mortuary that is probably also the living quarters of this giant creepy dude. Um, and you're not even going to break in quietly. You're just going to kick the window in and shatter glass everywhere. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. Now, once inside, we get, he's got his little lighter and everything. And he's broken basically into the storage room. We get what was supposed to be a cat jump scare, which every horror movie has one. It's where the cat from nowhere leaps out. Mm -hmm. Basically is thrown at the person. Um, they couldn't afford that. So that's why we get the styrofoam head that tumbles down with the wig on it. Yeah, not an effective jump scare, though. No, but that was supposed to be a cat. They just couldn't make that work. Okay. They couldn't find a stray cat anywhere? Wouldn't you think? I mean, <laughs> those are like a dime a dozen. Um, <laughs> or at least throw a stuffed animal cat. But no, we didn't <laughs> got none of that. Okay. Um, so again, um, he heads into the casket room and he hears a loud noise, which gives him uh, the opportunity to hide inside of a casket, which I love how he keeps it cracked open with his lighter. He leaves the lighter yeah, that outside was pretty so it doesn't smart. close. Yeah, he's a smart kiddo. So we get the caretaker coming in who apparently loves eyeliner. I thought Did he was know? like a weird zombie slave kind of uh, person. Whatever, he's really know. into guy liner because he's got his like, uh, he's like, Liza Minnelli would be jealous of the amount of eyeliner he has on. Uh, anyway, so he, he gets very close to like opening the casket. And then at the last minute, the tall man summons him away. So the guy leaves. Um, and then so Mike hesitantly walks to the door, leaves that room and then heads out into the corridor to investigate. And then so those noises draw him closer to that same closed door where the blonde girl who we don't really know who she is met her fate. All of a sudden, that silver ball pops up, and then all heck breaks loose. Yeah, and I was wondering if you had any insight onto as to like what these things are. No, the only thing I can give you, and this is probably what you're wanting, but the silver sphere cost eleven hundred dollars, and the person that made it for Mr. Coscarelli died before it. The film even got to the screen, so he never got to see his handiwork on on come to fruition on film oh okay yeah but no as far as what they i don't um i think now i i know in other films they actually can do more than just this they they have other ways of killing people too oh yeah and they can they're like uh they it's like a swiss army ball or something right 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 <laughs> they're pretty nifty yeah. it's a cool ass effect people like for a low budget film this is chef's kiss it's amazing as heck i love the thing it is i wish we had seen more than just that one but i guess like this being the introductory film 
you know, it's uh, this is well, this and is what I, we I bet the budget had a lot to do with it, you know, and if it was hard to pull off, you're not going to. You know, it's like when your monster, I'm not saying this doesn't look good, but when you're dealing with those movies where the monster doesn't look so hot or it's hard to do, you're not going to focus a lot on it because mm -hmm. it's so time consuming and you don't want to like give away all your tricks and stuff. So Mike is grabbed from behind by the caretaker with all the eyeshadow and he bites him and falls to the floor. But the man doesn't have the wherewithal to move out of the way of the spear, which just drills its way into his head and blood squirts out the back, which I love so much. Yeah, um, the gurgling alone i mean <laughs> the gurgling now the man falls to the floor and then you get that shot of like jody watching the aftermath but then the man's legs are there and he has peed himself and there's just this pool of urine running See, down between his feet i didn't catch that okay so on i guess like originally the film what so the film had been clean has been cleaned up it's been remastered but I guess in the original run, it was much harder to see it. It wasn't nearly as clear, but it almost caused them to get an X rating just for that scene. Um, really? Yeah, because they had a problem with the man wetting himself after the murder. <clears throat> that, I I don't know, the, the, the rating system is pretty weird. but that, It's very bizarre. Yeah. It's very bizarre. Yeah. So anyway, um, Mike has got his little uh, knife out now that he packed on his leg. And we see now that the tall man's on the scene and uh, <laughs> they're kind of facing each other. It almost looks like they're going to have a standoff. And I like how Mike is like, um, oh, shit. <laughs> it just takes off running down the corridor with the, the tall man in hot pursuit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, OK, the tall man, he looks like he wouldn't be able to move that fast for some reason. No. That, and that's what I love about this, too, because yeah. it, it's like in those dreams where they can like catch up with you like in no time flat. Like it's yeah. yeah, you're running in in like soggy dirt or something, yeah. and, and that slows you down, or like running in in uh, knee high water, and so therefore you can't run as fast, but they can run fast as hell. Yeah, he's like booking it, like yep. he's like right on the kid's like heels. <laughs> so Mike basically heads back to the room where he first came in, slams the storage door, which looks like a big heavy metal door, but. Much like in Zombie, he has caught the tall man's hands in the door and the fingers are like tapping on the wall. Oh, so he yeah. slices the fingers off and then grabs one and pockets it and runs off, only to be pursued by Jawas. <laughs> <laughs> like as he's trying to make his escape out of the, the window there. Yeah, and he's wearing the most 70s tennis shoes ever. They're like those, I think they're Adidas, aren't they? White Adidas with the blue like lines. Honestly, they're like the most 70s. Yeah shoes ever i didn't notice the shoes i was laughing at the jaw was just grabbing at him yeah and they actually <laughs> get one off of him i believe he has to run home with one shoe <laughs> so now he's made it back home he's fallen asleep on the shag carpeted stairs the the, the the carpeting is outrageous in this film and he's fallen asleep with a rifle that he's got in a wooden box and then and jody comes downstairs with his shirt open Thank and the you, box Woody. is a rockin' don't come a knocking right exactly and he takes the rifle and unloads it and everything and the noise kind of like makes mike stir awake uh now they're out on the porch and <clears throat> uh you know mike's explaining everything and then jody opens the box and we see that finger inside with the yellow goo all around it and really quick mr coscarelli got the idea for this when he was playing around with little styrofoam, white styrofoam coffee cups, and he had poked his finger through it mm -hmm. inadvertently. And that's how he got the idea for the trick for this. Anyway, 
I love how Jody just, he sees that and all of a sudden he believes him. He's like, all right, here we go. I'm in for the, I'm in for this. <laughs> so now we're in the kitchen and then Mike is explaining to Jody about the tall man and uh, the whole coffin story about just lifting, you know, Tommy's coffin up and everything. And, you know, Jody believes that there's really something weird going on at the funeral home and he decides they're going to get the sheriff. So he sends Mike upstairs to get his coat and everything. Um, and then like a dumbass, the box is still. So he decides to open it. Yeah. And then there's the bug reveal what with the, the mouthful of teeth. I, at first I didn't know that was a bug. I thought it was like a little critter or something. I love it so much. Um, did you, okay. It was a made for TV movie that was really big in the seventies. It starred Karen Black, who I, I believe you know who Karen Black is. The actress, she was in, um. House of a Thousand Corpses, she played the mom. Okay, yeah. Okay, so it's Trilogy of Terror. And the other two stories are pretty forgettable. But the last one, she gets this, um, like, doll that's got a little necklace. And it falls off and the doll comes alive. But it's got a mouthful of teeth that looks just like this bug. And it always reminds me, they're, like, interchangeable. Because it's just nothing. You just see the rows of teeth. And it's so goofy and horrifying at the same time. I think anyway. I might have seen that, that not, maybe not the whole thing, but like that part you're talking about. Oh yeah. It's very iconic. I, I bet you have somewhere or other, you've seen maybe just a clip of it or something. Yeah, but yeah. probably. It's great. Um, it's like a, it's a Zuni fetish doll. That's what it's called. Yes. Oh, anyway. Okay. Yeah. I've seen so, those before. Yeah. So the bug like gets entangled in his hair and then he gets his jacket wrapped around it. So basically it's just him wrestling with a jacket, making like insect noises. <laughs> <clears throat> And it's, um, it's great the way that their, um, their improv acting is magnificent yes. because they're like acting like this thing is stronger than they are. Yes, <laughs> they have to wrestle it, it to the garbage disposal. It's <laughs> wonderful, folks. It's wonderful. So they, you know, pin it down and they turn on the disposal and it's like got a little hole, like cutting the jacket that made it into the disposal and everything. And so Reggie shows up. And uh, in the interim, they don't notice the little insect leg like coming up out of the drain. Yeah. And you see that little yellow liquid, too. <laughs> yeah. And then the bug attacks again. And um, so uh, Jody has to shove it back in the drain. And like Reggie's like looking at this, like, what the heck's going on? And he wants answers and everything. So back in the living room, they're all explaining everything and every uh, to, to, to Reggie. And then um, this is where, you know, again, only in the 70s. Well, maybe not so much anymore in this America that we live in. But anyway, uh, Jody gives Mike an, a gun and, uh, 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 and arms him with a loaded gun. And he says, shoot to kill. And he tells him to lock all the doors and windows. And he's like, don't follow me. And so Jody's heading back to the funeral home to go in and, you know, check around for himself. Mm -hmm. And then so back at the cemetery... Jody goes to enter the gates, which were locked the night before for Mike, but this time they just open right up for Jody. So Jody goes in and he shines a flashlight before he enters, looks, you know, looks around the flashlight, decides it's okay. He enters the room. He goes to turn on like the little pull chain light. Like everybody imagine the exact same light that was in the end of Psycho in the basement that Vera Miles like hits, same light set up little pull chain. As soon as he does, there's a Jawa behind him and attacks him, jumps on him. They tussle. He draws a pistol and starts shooting at the thing. <clears throat> he retreats out the window and then the, the headlights of the hearse light up behind him as he's running. 
So he turns to face the hearse, fires into it, does zero good whatsoever. The hearse like speeds off down the road. Then all of a sudden these headlights within seconds pull up to Mike, to sorry, to Jody, to Jody. The car is sitting there. Jody's a little apprehensive because he can't see into the car. He's calling for Mike, but there's no answer. He peers in to the Barracuda and is actually Mike driving. Mike tells him to get in and they pull off. <clears throat> yeah, I just had a, so I wanted to take it back to that Jawa scene, the, the fight scene where um, <laughs> I keep wanting to call him Mike or Mark. <laughs> yeah, Jody. Oh, yeah, Jody. Jo- where Jody the is. the same boat, my friend. Yeah, the Jawa is on his back and Jody fires the gun. But did you see the way that like, I don't care how good of a marksman you are, you holding a weapon that way, it's just, uh, you're probably going to end up shooting yourself. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm surprised they weren't going to Jody's funeral the next thing where he'd shot himself in the head. <laughs> yeah. So I, I did have an issue with that. I was oh, like, yeah, totally. You're totally going to shoot yourself in the face like that. Totally. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, my friend. Yes, most definitely. Yeah. Um, so they're being pursued by another car that no one's driving. Okay. So now Jody... Um, Mike has brought like a rifle, a high powered rifle. So Jody has now climbed out the sunroof of the Barracuda and he's hanging out the top, firing at the car while Mike, the underage driver is like, you know, gunning it. So Jody fires and he hits the engine and the tires, which causes the car to crash into a tree. I put down on my notes that they fucking turn around to go check it out, which I've been so (laughs) far away from that car, but no, they go back to look at it. Because they know nobody's, uh, or, well, not nobody's driving it, but you can't see the driver, basically. Right, they want to go check it out. Yeah, so they go back, they open the door, and they realize that the Jawa has been impaled by a tree branch, and they figure out there's actually Tommy, he's got that, like, yellow goo, like, he's kind of vomiting it out of his little mouth and everything. Mm -hmm. Now... It wasn't until like I got much older that I realized that that was their friend from the beginning. Like that was like a mystery to me for a very long time. Like who that Jawa was. Right. The first time I saw this movie, I just thought it was um, somebody that they had maybe known in the past, like the owner of the corner store or something like that. I don't even think I put that together, Rob. You're you're smarter than I on this one. Like I didn't even... (laughs) clue with me but i will also say this okay so way back in the day when i probably first saw this it would have been like on like a vhs copy that probably wasn't good and Mm -hmm. then my dvd was like an anchor bay one which was really cool but it still wasn't as crisp this remastered one that they've done it looks phenomenal and i'm seeing so many you see so many things on this that you didn't really notice way back when until the three master one, like it looks so pristine that like, like you could totally tell it's Tommy. You're like, Oh my gosh, that's Tommy. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so, so having it cleaned we up, we both own like the same blessing. ones. I'm sorry. Do we both own the same versions? Like the five? Pack? Yes. That, yeah. That, okay. that one you sent me. Yes. We own the exact same one. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. I had actually, not that it mattered, but I had, they released the Blu-ray by itself first and I bought that, but it's the exact same, same disc, Stuck in that five pack that I bought originally. It's just the single release. Oh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so now they've decided to call Reggie and tell him to bring his truck, his ice cream truck, uh, because they got one. 
So Reggie also realizes it's Tommy, except this time he's three feet tall, but he still weighs about 200 pounds. Right, right. They do make mention that no, despite his size, he still weighs the same. Exactly. Um, so they decide to put it in the freezer, put a padlock on it. Back at the house, um, the three decide to head inside and Reggie locks up the door, takes the key, pockets it. And that's when you get the Myrtle jump scare. Just out of nowhere, the maid pops up, scares Reggie, and we never <laughs> see her again. Nor did we see her before. <laughs> no, like, where did she come from? She's just like, right. <laughs> um, she's the oh, tall man. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, just real quick, the Jawas were actually not portrayed by, uh, I think it's little people, the politically correct term. Yeah, I, I, think, want to be I think little people is. They were actually children. Oh, really? They were all kids. Huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Because the only reason I thought it was little people because of um, their friend Tommy, you know, with the mustache and all that. So mm -hmm. I was like, they just got, a, you know, a little person who looked exactly like that guy or close enough, um, you know, and then put him, draped him in like a burlap sack, I want to call it, uh, to make it look like a hooded, you know, hooded little Jawa thing. It was probably just Tommy and they just shot it a certain way to make him look that size, I would imagine. Yeah. See, yeah. I don't think things through completely, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's the magic of the movies, Rob. Yeah, it's, it tricks you. <clears throat> so they're all inside the house gathered around that fireplace. Can you see this in your head? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay. So apparently that scene <clears throat> took forever to actually film that Remember, so Mike, the youngest brother, is sitting in front of the fire with his denim jacket on. Mm -hmm. They had to line the inside of his jacket with aluminum foil to reflect the heat because he like was getting so hot sitting right by that fireplace. Oh, yeah. You shouldn't be sitting that close to a fire. Yeah. Place. So they had yeah. to do that because he was getting so that hot. It doesn't make a lot was of taking sense. So long. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, he must have been sweating so like crazy. Oh, yeah. So they're trying to speculate exactly why they have to smash the bodies down. And this is where Mike kind of clues in, well, hey, what about mom and dad? And Jody's just like, forget about it. Don't, you know, fixate on that. Yeah. And then Reggie's deciding that they should snag the uh, tall man and stake him. Um, and then Jody's idea is to take Mike to Sally's antique store and leave him there. And um, he's going to head off and do some investigating on his own. Right. And then we get we jump right to that scene where Reggie is driving him, uh, where Reggie is driving Mike to the whatever the store. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, then there's Sally. And to make it more confusing, there's another blonde girl with her who's Susan. Right. And th this is just. Yeah. This is so I get so confused at this part here because it's uh, like you said, dream sequence that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So they're in the store that they own it almost i think what they're doing is they're going through the stock but it almost seems more like they're shopping but anyway they're kind of off doing their own thing which gives mike a chance to kind of sneak off and he finds those old photos and we get the creepy music starting up again i love this scene because he oh yeah the the photograph of the tone yeah yeah it's, but it places it's it's clearly like a long time ago because he's not driving a traditional uh, automatic hearse. He's on like a carriage hearse. He's got a top hat and everything, the tall man. Yeah. And then the picture actually uh, comes alive more or less. And then Angus, or I'm sorry, the tall man turns and faces and looks right at Mike. Yeah. Um, 
but that also gives this a sense of uh, it's not just here and now. This person has existed for like decades or this guy has been around. Yeah. Longer than decades, maybe even. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but of course, Mike just pockets this thing, which is I would have thrown the fat Mark would have thrown this thing so far across <laughs> that antique store. You would never find the thing. It's possessed. Yeah. And then he wants to go home right now. Um <laughs> So they're out uh, night driving and then Reggie were with him. He hears that pounding and those growls coming from the back of his ice cream truck, yeah. which, you know, that's not going to be good. So in the living room, Jody has fallen asleep in that chair by the fireplace. He awakens in the same chair, except he's at the mausoleum. Now you hear those weird, freaky cries. And then there's the tall man. And the crypt above him bursts out and all these arms grab, you know, reach down and grab him, start pulling him up towards the opening of the crypt. Right. And he seems surprisingly calm about the whole thing. Yeah. Well, he is Jody. He's, you know, he's got swagger. He's very stoic. Yeah. So this is one of my favorite parts of the movie because it's just so odd. But it's the Volkswagen scene with Sally and Susan. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sally and Susan. Yeah, up, and it's Susan. All yeah, it's yeah, it's all foggy. And then Mike's in the back seat, and then he tells him to pull over because he sees Reggie's toppled over ice cream truck laying on its side. So Mike like bolts out, which again, fat Mark would have never done this, bolts out and he leaves the two girls back in the bug. Yeah. Mike is so very brave. He's very brave. Never would Mark do this. Okay. If I saw that toppled over truck, I would say, just keep driving. Drive as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. Floor it, you two. Um, so the padlock's undone. We get that really haunting music and all those creepy ass sounds. Mike opens the freezer and like, there's this chunk of ice, but like melted into the ice is this handprint with that glowing yellow goo inside of it. Okay, I wanted to ask if I was seeing what I was seeing, but you saw it too. So it was a handprint. I oh, wasn't yes. sure if it was just like green blood splatter. Oh, I think I said dick and balls. <laughs> dick um, and balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like a handprint. Yeah. So Okay, so I was seeing the same thing. I was now, like, are we to assume? Was that, that the tall was, man? Oh, see, I was thinking, my, okay, I didn't even think that. I was thinking, are we to assume it was? Tommy's handprint or was it Reggie's handprint? Well, if it was Tommy's handprint, wouldn't it be like the size of a small child? Maybe that's why I was going to say, are we? Yeah. So with that, so if we're going with that assumption would have been Reggie's handprint in there. Oh, see, I didn't even think of that. Okay. Yeah, so, I would have never thought the tall man. Interesting. And yeah. I, we have no idea. Or was it Susan's? We don't, oh, don't know. Susan's, yeah. So <laughs> she got tired of everybody telling her to shut up. Right. So now Mike's back in the car and he wants to go and the girls are total flakes. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a noise outside and the Mike's like lock the doors, don't open the doors. So, of course, like the Jawas are out there and I'm not quite sure if they make the door open or if just one of the girls just willingly opens it. But either way, they're attacked. You see the outside the the VW's bouncing around. The girls are screaming. The Jawas have gotten in, and one of them actually is wrestling with Mike, but pushes them out the back window of the bug as it takes pulls away. Yeah, those little bastards are strong. And we never again really hear much more about 
the VW. We find out what happens to the girls, but we don't know, like, did they ditch the VW? Did they take it, like, for a joyride? Are their Jawas, like, now in another state? We just don't know. Yeah, they married the they married the two Jawas. And- All right, right. So now he's unconscious on the road. And then this is where we get Jody back at the living room. And it's clear that he can sense there's something wrong. So you kind of get there's this, like, psychic brotherly link between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Which is later expounded on in the other films, but here it's just kind of played on, played with. So Mike runs back home. He gets a hug and he gets to sit on Jody's lap, which I'm like, I would be down for all those things. <laughs> are you, are you fucking with me? No, I love Jody. Like I would be. If no, I got no, to I hug mean, Jody. I didn't no. see that. I did yeah. not see that. Oh no, I'm not fucking with you. No, he hugs him and then he sits him on his lap and then gives him a beer. Oh shit. Okay. Wow. I must have just completely glazed over that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm not fucking with you at all. No, oh. no, 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 no. Okay. So then he kind of fills in Jody that, you know, the girls are toast and Reggie's toast. And so they head up to Morningside and then, um, oh no, they're going to head up to Morningside, but Jody sends Mike reluctantly to his room because Jody's going to do this on his own. He kind of jabs that screwdriver into the door to like lock him in there. Yeah. And okay. How does that whole thing work? I Like I, again, knowing the layout of things is very convenient and we just don't get that. Because to me for it to work, wouldn't you put it on the side of the door that would go? Okay. Cause doesn't the bedroom door open inwards towards Mike? It looked like it opened outward when, when he was oh. jabbing the screwdriver in. Okay. Cause for me, for it to work, you'd have to put on the side where it, to prevent it from opening. Yeah. And so, so it seems like it's on the opposite, on the wrong side. <laughs> right. Right. And so if he okay. was to just open the door, the whole, the screwdriver would just kind of fall out. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, the ever resourceful Mike is yeah. all upset. He goes to his desk, he's crying. And then he looks up and he pulls out this like little metal thumbtack. And then he pulls out this shell casing he's got. And then he pulls out this tape dispenser and he just makes like a mini gun out of a hammer, a piece of tape, <laughs> uh, a tack, and then a bullet casing. Just, call him, just call him Mike Guyver from now on. Mike Guyver, or he's basically Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah, that's true. Nancy. Yeah, well. these two should get together and just have really smart ass kids. Yeah. So he uses it. He like bangs on the, the door. He blows a mini hole in it and he reaches through and unlocks the door and you know he gets out. Which is uh, strange that he unlocked the door and didn't remove the screwdriver that was jammed in. Yeah, that didn't matter. Uh, so we get our creepy music playing and now he's in the Barracuda and he pulls out of the garage. Um, and then... Um, Oh, no, I'm sorry. Sorry. Jody's pulling out of the bear with the Barracuda. And then Mike's booking it down the stairs and he grabs a pistol and he opens the front door. But the tall man is waiting there for him and he confronts him and he grabs him by the shoulder. And he says, boy, boy. (laughs) Um, And he throws Mike in the back of the hearse. And now we're at the funeral home. Jody arrives. And then this is also where Walt points out that the hearse is a 1966 model because he's a big car fanatic. Um, and the hearse is following. So Mike uses the pistol to shoot, um, out the back window. And then he also shoots the tire, right? Is that right? And that allows him to escape. Yeah. So I guess he, first he shot out the back window and then he shot the tire 
to kind of yeah which that seems like an awkward trick to pull off but anyway he manages to make that happen um and then the hearse hits a pole and then we get this explosion of it so back at the funeral home jody opens a crypt of his parents um and he pulls out the casket and then we see mike approaching the front door and uh jody says that um you know he wants to believe that you know he's still in there meaning his father mm-hmm then we see the, oh, we get our red and black spear vision, which we've never had that before in the film. But all of a sudden we get like reversed image and it's red. Yeah. Almost like predator vision. Right. Almost like exactly. And then Mike says, sorry, daddy, uh, but we had to. And then he goes to check the casket, but it's actually empty. And then Mike screams and starts to run only to be faced by the sphere. Ooh, ooh. Okay. I'm just, now I could be totally off base here putting, uh, putting things together that have no, just that are not supposed to go together. Like no correlation. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Um, but okay. So we get the scene of the, the, the casket is empty. Right. And then the sphere yes. comes. Yes. And so do you think that that sphere might be like the, his uh, first experiment on um, Mike and Jody's parents. And that, that was like one of his creations. Like the parents. Oh, and they're out to kill their own kids. (laughs) I mean, I love that aspect. Like that's the only, that's the parallel that I'm drawing because we go from that scene to that scene right there. And I was like, holy shit. That makes it really dark. Yeah. Um, Well then, and then, so Jody pops up out of nowhere and he comes to the rescue and blows the sphere away with his gun, which would mean that he killed his parents according to your theory. Yeah. So, um, and didn't you like that blood splatter? Like when he shoots the sphere, it just splatters red everywhere. Right, exactly. Which would that be residue left over from the mascara caretaker? Could be like because when they drill inside, well, no, they don't. Be, they don't save the blood. The blood just comes right out the back end. But it did it completely all come out the back end, or was that some left over from inside? Possibly, yeah. It could like maybe the they don't just kill, but like they feed on some part of you for some reason. Oh, see, I was making it to me in my mind. It's not like a living thing. It's just like a weapon. Oh, so it just had like residue left in it. That's what I was thinking. Like he didn't get clean it out. Really like a Woomba. Woomba. (laughs) (laughs) So this is when they both head to that same door that the blonde girl who we don't know who she is went inside and screamed. All of a sudden, from nowhere, Reggie pops up because Reggie's the most resilient thing. He's like cockroaches and Cher, who will be here after the nuclear holocaust. Yeah, he needs to wear um, a bell, though. He needs what? He needs to wear a bell. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. He should braid in his ponytail. Yeah, he just pops up out of nowhere. Like, hey, right. guys. Yeah. So he's been apparently hiding in a casket. And we also find out that he uh, helped Sally and Sue and a couple of other women escape. And they just ran off. So they're safe to go back to their antique uh uh, operation, I guess. Mm. So once they open the door, we get the big reveal. It's a bright <clears throat> white room. There's that humming noise. There's those two bars reminiscent of the tuning fork that we saw earlier with Reggie. Um, and the walls are lined with these like kind of like black barrel shaped things. And there's like these little black slits that you can look inside. Yeah. So that's when Jody discovers that there are dwarves, his words, not mine, uh, inside. And then um, Mike kind of approaches the bars and realizes that like between the bars, like his hand like goes to another dimension kind of, or at least disappears as far as, you know, Mike can tell so far. Yeah. Um, Then we get that flashback where, you know, it's don't fear and everything. 
And then before you know it, he's tumbling through space and it's all red and he's falling over like, like, it's like a planet, like just a desolate, cracked, desert looking planet. And there's like these like rows of like these little Jawas. Yeah. It reminded me of Mars in a way, you know, just. Yeah. With the red and everything. I can totally see where you say that. Well, all of a sudden he's pulled back by like, you know, the seat of his pants. They grab him to his belt and pull him back and everything. Um, And then this is where he explains that they're crushed because of the gravity and the heat and that the bars are a doorway to the planet. And all of a sudden there's that like humming sound of the power going, you know, shutting down and there's a blackout. Mm -hmm. Then Mike Slider reveals that he's face to face with a Jawa and it attacks Mike and he screams and there's darkness again. And you start hearing all the voices and everything. Um, I wanted cartoon eyes. Like in Warner Brothers cartoons where it's dark and you see little cartoon eyes. I yeah. really wanted that. Or you know what I wanted? I wanted like the lighter flickering. And then when, um, you know, the when the light actually returns, like it either be like a sphere, a Jawa or the tall man. Right. Or all three. <laughs> <laughs> and then they run like and then Scooby-Doo cartoons where like the three guys would be running and then there'd be the sphere. And then you hear those Tom sounds where it's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, like, uh, the tall man's running, being chased by, like, the guys. And then it's, like, reverse. And then the Reggie runs by holding the other two guys. Yeah, like, and then the Scooby-Doo music is playing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that we didn't get any of that. Anyway, um, so outside, Jody's been somehow, like, separated from the group. And he's outside now looking for Mike. Um, back in the room, Reggie's all alone. And he remembers that whole tuning fork thing from earlier. And he decides to actually very reluctantly touch the bars. Yeah. But what does that do? Like it causes something to happen. Yeah. It but, like, it's like a, a, a balance in like, um, Oh, what's the word? Uh, oh, what's the word I want? Like a balance in, Oh, in the frequencies? The word I want? Huh? Frequency. Frequency. Yeah. Like a balance, like a shift in the frequency, okay. like a balance. And yeah. And, and the force, a balance in the force is the one I wanted. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Um, See, I wondered why he touched those because I just, I couldn't understand that. I think he was just like, you know, like how he put his fingers on the tuning fork and it kind of made everything stop. Oh, okay. And he's like, what happens? To, you know, it's just a bigger, but in theory, what happens? Just what happens? Does it stop? You yeah. know? Um, so outside we see that the lavender lady was behind, um, Jody with a knife, but as soon as Reggie touches that, like, she's kind of almost like jolted, you know, she like pauses, it does something to her or the tall man who is her. Um, does she have, what's her lower, like, (laughs) like, I don't know. Anyway, um, so it also causes this like severe suction in the room and, um, Everything is being like drawn, like, you know, just like Mike earlier, all the barrels were being sucked into that other vortex or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, Reggie's kind of like holding on for dear life and he's got to crawl his way out of the room. Um, and outside, it's like super windy now, like it's totally affected the weather. Mike's calling for Jody. And then Reggie here heads out the front door of the funeral home and he spies the body of the lavender lady laying down, you know, like on the ground. Mm-hmm. So he drops to check on her only to be stabbed by her. Um, and then the brothers are calling for each other. They finally make contact. Um, Reggie's there lay, laying there dying um, with the lavender lady watching him and everything. Um, but, you know, he's kind of like shaken and everything from what happened. And then it's actually the tall man who pull, pulls the knife out of his body. Yeah. Cause uh, 
when when like the lavender lady was watching him, it kept shifting between tall man and lavender lady, like in the, exactly. in the face. Yeah, exactly. And then so Jody convinces Mike to leave Reggie for dead. And then the funeral home like glows that like red orange kind of thing. Yeah, that um did it blow up or did it just kind of I think it just glowed. Okay. There was no explosion. It just kind of like kind of thing. <laughs> imploded yeah so jody's bright idea is to get the tall man to a mine that has been abandoned and um jody sends mike in to get some ammo and he's going to go to remove the warning barriers and camouflage it to trick the tall man basically into falling down the shaft (laughs) road runner (laughs) you know what i've got to be honest with you i from from this point on, I did not remember this part of the film. I didn't either. I, I was like, not. what? Like, I did not remember this at all. I don't know what happened if I blacked out or I don't remember. I was like, <laughs> what? I thought this was the end of the film. Like, from what I remembered the last time I had seen it, I was like, oh, the film's over. Wait, wait no. You mean it's not over? I, I I don't remember this this shaft thing at all. I'm like, is yeah. this? Like, did they just add this? Anyway, so inside, Mike's looking around the dark house. He's checking the windows. First one's fine. Second one, there's that tall man reveal. He breaks through the window pane. Um, now we got Jody at the mine. He's messing around. Back at the house, Mike's creeping around. The back door's blown off the hinges. We get, boy. Yep. And then uh, Mike flees out the front door. He's being pursued by the tall man. He's like, now you die. And those two headstones like pop up. Yeah. Like, like he controls I, all this. Like he played a good game, boy, but now it's oh, time yeah. to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's like total dream dream stuff happening. We get the two tombstones popping up. And then all of a sudden Mike's in quicksand. Um, he's got the uh, knife drawn and everything. And he spies the lady in lavender with her knife. And he approaches her and then he flees from that. And the tall man's pursuing him again. Then he runs past the little uh, hidden danger mine shaft sign that's been covered up. Mike jumps over the hole that's been camouflaged. The poor, uh, poor, the tall man isn't so lucky. He falls down inside. All of a sudden, these rocks come like toppling over him. You get the thunder. Um, Jody's like smiling down. I'm sorry. Jody's smiling down like from up at the, what would you call it? Like lookout point down at Mike. Then you get thunder. It's the fireside. Oh, yeah. Like, I think it was uh, Jody, the one who released all those rocks to, like, get on top of the mine shaft, right? Yeah, probably. Okay. Yes, that makes total sense. Then the far side, all of a sudden, Reggie's there with Mike. Uh, and Mike's going on that the rocks aren't going to hold the tall man down. And the tall man took mom and dad. And all of a sudden, he took Jody. And then Reggie's like, no, Jody died in a car wreck. And, you know, um, uh, um. We find out that, uh, you know, Mike's all upset because it was a dream and everything. And Reggie's trying to console him. Um, and he's, you know, saying, I'm not Jody, but I'm going to try to do my best. And I'm like, you'll never be Jody. Um, <laughs> he's like, the dream seems so real. And, you know, Reggie's just like, we need a change of scenery. And, you know, he tells him to go get his bags and we'll figure out when we get there. So Mike heads upstairs to get his gear, get his gear. And back in the bedroom, he, you know, pockets this picture of Jody into his bag and everything. Of course, there's a you know full length mirror on the back of the door, which of course, once he looks up, there's that reveal of the tall man. We get boy, boy, and then we, 
man breaks through the mirror and just pulls uh, Mike inside of it. And yeah. that's where the credits roll. So was the tall man. Okay. From what, it, from my vantage point, cause it was very dark in there. Was the tall man hiding inside of a suit that was hanging on, you know, hanging on the closet door? <laughs> this sounds silly, but it, it really. Looked oh, like... I don't know. I can't say for sure. Cause I, cause I didn't see his entire body. I only I saw wonder if his that was head. the way they were doing the effect. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't, know. don't know. I don't know. And I don't think it matters. <laughs> it was still like, regardless, like if the tall man, if you just saw his oh. head and he was hiding in a shadow of the suit, like, boy. <laughs> yeah, it was still nightmare inducing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Still freaky as all get out. Um, yeah. And that folks is phantasm. That is that was phantasm. Yeah. And, so. Uh, um, I forgot to ask you this. When did you first see this movie or what was your first like relationship with this, Rob? Um, it's hard to, I know I saw this movie a very long time ago, probably uh, late eighties, early nineties. Um, okay. and I think I had seen it on cable and I could not make sense of it. I knew I liked it, but it was just like something there were, there were tons of events happening and I just couldn't figure out what was going on. And like, even when I watched it again last night, it was like, oh, what the hell's going on here? This is cool, but it doesn't make sense. Like you, you know, we were describing it was a, it was a very dream sequence kind of thing. Yeah. Now, did it scare you? Oh, it did. Yeah. The, the, okay. What scared me the most was the little Jawa creatures and the spheres. Uh, oh, yeah. The okay. tall man, he was scary, but he wasn't as scary as like those little growling Jawa creatures that could be hiding under your bed and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, so, okay. Um, when I grew up for a long time, the bedroom I had was, you kind of have to picture this, it was a square, okay? Mm -hmm. And only one wall um, was like a wall. The other two walls were nothing but windows. And then the other, the, the fourth wall was a door that led to a sun porch. So basically it just pretty much led outside, basically. That's a okay. whole lot of glass. Yeah. So my bed, I had it pushed against the radiator, but the headboard was right by the window. Okay. So the TV trailer for this one, mainly it was the scene where he opens his eyes the tall man's at the top of his bed and the bodies jump up out of the ground and grab him. Oh, okay. <laughs> the trail, not the trailer, the TV spot for this scared the bejesus out of me way before I ever saw the movie. This, the, 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 the TV commercials were enough to ter terrorize me. Like <laughs> I couldn't handle it. Um, yeah. So like my history with this goes way, way back. This movie has always traumatized me. Um, scary as I'll get out. Um, now, so I'm assuming, are you a fan of phantasm? Yeah, uh, just from watching the first movie, it made me want to see all the, you know, all the other ones so I could figure out like what the hell those spears were. <laughs> yeah, it was they were so cool because they were scary, but they were like really cool, like mechanical creature things. And like I was always into like those creature, whatever mm -hmm. the hell they were. Now, I will say this Phantasm, just the first one for me is a prime example of I don't need to know much like Halloween. Like I don't need a backstory. I don't need to know any of this. It 
does it need to be explained to me? I think that's part of its creepiness. The fact that this tall guy just pops up and just wants to take you somewhere and maybe smash you, maybe kill you, Mm -hmm. maybe destroy everyone in your life. You don't know what the hell's going on. Like, I love that about this film. You know, it's just the not knowing it's because it seems like a dream. It seems like a nightmare. You know, just things are happening. No real reason. It's also random. It's just horrifying. And that's what made Uh, it scary. But yeah, as an adult or even like a middle-aged adult now, um, just wanting to know, like, is, is the tall man an alien? Does he come from another planet? Why is he making slaves and turning them into these tiny creatures? And, you know, just, I don't know. There, all, there are those parts that I want to know. It's also strange, isn't it? The mythology behind it is like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, would you recommend other people seeing this? Oh, hell yeah. Listen yes. to the show. Absolutely. This is a, I love this movie. I have always loved this movie since I first saw it. And it's just, it's so weird. It's kind of like you and brain damage, like where it's so strange and you just fall in love with it. And oh, totally. One, yeah. Yeah. This one would be my brain damage where it's just like, it doesn't make any sense, but God damn, I love it. Oh yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I have to second that. Um, there's like certain horror movies that like I could just go back to again and again and I would never get sick of them. And mm-hmm. this is one of them. Like, I just love this thing so much. I love the seventies aesthetic of it. Um, I just, I just love the look of it. I love the way that they're dressed. Um, just how nothing really makes sense, but somehow that makes sense that it doesn't make sense. I love that. I love that there's all these unanswered questions that you will never get answers to. And I'm fine with that. That doesn't bother me in other films. I'd have a cow, but this one, I'm just, I I accept all of it. Hook, line and sinker. Yeah. Um, Well, I I still, Oh, go ahead. I think knowing that this movie is based on Don Coscarelli's nightmare that he had, um, it just, it's okay. It's not supposed to really make sense because it's based on a dream. Like, right. And I have no problem with that. And I applaud everything he was able to pull off with not like a ton of uh, money or movie making experience under his belt. Yeah. I, I just kudos to everyone involved, um, including the um, key grips, butt George W singer, junior. <laughs> um, I just, I just have so much fun with this thing. I can't, I can't recommend this enough. I, if you are saying you're a horror fan and you've not watched this, I can't wrap my mind around that. Yeah, because I mean, this, this goes among like some of the most iconic ones where you've got Michael Myers, yes, you've yeah. got Freddie, you've got Jason, you have the tall man. I mean, this- oh, he's, yes, he is right up there with it. There, there are like staples of yeah. the genre and this is one of them. Um, I, I and not to you know I, I'm sure there are huge fans of the whole franchise. I just need this one. I don't need anything more than this. I just need this one, and I content as can be. I love this film so much. I, I love it so so much, so so much. Um, yeah, I can't I I I can't say anything more about it. I just it's amazing. We are simply gushing over this movie. I am. What was it? Yellow goo stuff. I'm gushing yellow goo. You're, you're gooping. And blood out of my forehead <laughs> from the sphere. Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. Um. Now, as far as the next time we get together, we're going to be doing your pick from 1984. We're moving to the 80s. We're going to be doing Dreamscape. 
Yeah. And I don't know if I made the right call on this. I mean, I haven't seen that movie in 30 years or more. Um, so I remember it being scary, but I was a kid at that time. Well, we will see. Yeah. And then I've never seen this. It's got Dennis Quaid. I know that much. So we will we will see. Yeah. Uh, I think it's probably more like an action type film with, uh, you know, scary elements of like creatures because it does deal with nightmares and dreams and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, though, it's it um, does have a um, listing as horror. If you look it up on IMDb. Oh, yeah. yeah. Action adventure horror. Yeah. So it is listed as that. So I I guess it would fall under the category. Sometimes it's like I remember things from my childhood and then it's like it's not what I thought it was. And I'm not so sure about it. We will see, my friend. Next, uh, when you're like, I'm not doing this show anymore. (laughs) Oh, no, we did virus. Remember? Oh, yeah. But you you uh, (laughs) you. Oh, I can't think of the word in my brain. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, I you, enjoyed it you thoroughly. You have yeah. a newfound love for virus. I do have a newfound love for virus, um, especially the Verhoeven cut. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so if you would like to reach us on Instagram, I am always lurking about at Midnight Mass Creature Cast. Mm-hmm. And if you want to reach us through email, you can contact us at mmccpod at gmail.com. Uh, the lines are always open for communication. And uh, before we move on, there was something that I wanted to do, um, which we do on the other show, where it's like I wanted to give some shout outs and recommendations for checking out other podcasts. Um, so oh. I think uh, definitely check out like if you listen to my antics and you enjoy my antics on here and you don't yet listen to the old guy metal cast, maybe give that a try. It might not be suited to your taste. It might be just two old people bitching about stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about heavy metal and, and you know, the world, the state of the world. Um, also, I'd like to give a big shout out to <clears throat> spitball media podcast and also check out necromaniacs podcast. If you're into horror, because they cover a lot of horror movies um, not just monster movies, mainly just horror stuff. Uh, oh, cool. But it's a, it's a good fun time. Check that out. Um, and yeah, if you, if you listen to us on the main feed, we can also be found at suplexcitylimits.com. We're on the SCL network there. So we've got two different places where we can be heard. There you go. You don't just have to use tin cans and a, and a wire. <laughs> yeah, a string. No, no tin cans. So as always, we totally appreciate you joining us because the more the scarier. That's right. And until next time, we hope you stay spooky. But wait, there's more. Hey, Mark, I know the, you know, the funeral was kind of a very somber occasion, but I was like looking around in the funeral home and I found this really weird box. Uh, Check it out, man. That's strange. Okay. That's really weird. It's like a, like a mini kind of weird, like coffin looking thing. Yeah. A it, hole in the end. Why right, does it have a right. hole in the end? Yeah. Th- I, I figured like maybe you should put your hand in there. You want me to put my hand in a wooden box that you found at that freaky ass funeral home? Yeah. I mean, I put my hand in there and it was like nothing. I thought there might be spiders or whatever in there, but it, it was nothing. So I just, you know, you should put your hand in there. And nothing happened. No, nothing happened. Look at my hand. See, it's a, there's nothing on my hand. Nothing happened. Do me a favor and close your eyes. Um, 
Okay. Just trust me. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. All They're right. Closed. Okay. Now you can open them. Look. Look what I did. Oh, I my, come on, dude. My dick in the box. <laughs> Why would you do that? I, I said your hand. It's weirdly gooey inside the box. It's, ow. What? What? Dude, ow. Did something... There's what? something in this box you like. Ow. No, I put my hand in that box. That box was empty. No, there's something. Ow. There's something. Why uh, would you, why would you put your uh, hand in the box? Rob. Ow. Ah. Uh, there's like, it, it's like teeth. Ah, uh, Rob. It, ah. Uh, it kind of, you look in pain, but you also look like you're enjoying it in a weird way. Well, a little bit. It's kind of, it's not so bad if you think about it. It's not. <laughs> oh my God. Mark. Oh, do you have a cigarette? I don't smoke. And you might need to get me a pack if you know what I'm saying. Oh, jeez. Uh, you think you can, you know, take your dick out of the box sometime this hour so we can get on with all right, the show? All right, all right, all right. Turn around, turn around. Okay. All right. Oh, holy shit. Look at the... Oh, that's disgusting. There's oh, this, why oh would you have gross. me look at that? Oh, it's like yellow and... Ew. I swear <laughs> to... I swear I did not put mustard in that box. That's disgusting. Oh my God, do you think I have an STD now? 